The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Welcome to our second sidebar of the year at Adventures from the Shed. In this episode, we spend some time reviewing the adventure Chris ran, which you can find as AFTS D&D CW1 and 2. We also talk backstory. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Shed for Adventures from the Shed. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com, on iTunes, Facebook, Stitcher Radio, Google Plus, Bing, all over the stinking place. We're going to do a special sidebar podcast here while we are finishing up our Strahd campaign. We've got everyone here, and we're going to go around the table and say hi quickly, starting with... Hi, everyone. This is Mickey. That's it. Hey, it's Kurt. Hey, it's Chris. I'm Joe. Hey, it's Jai Jai. And we have Jai Jai. (laughs) We're going to start this sidebar by talking a little about the adventure you just listened to over the last couple of weeks, which was one brought to us by the esteemed Chris W. And in that adventure, Chris put together something where people ate dirt, and we were told to eat dirt. Yeah. But I'm sure there was a little bit more to it than that. Chris, tell us a little bit about how you set that up. I, I, I've been wanting for a while to use witches for some reason, I think because I recently watched the witch movie that came out last year, and it was one of those very eerie films. With It was kind of slow going, but the payoff at the end was really cool. Um, so I just wanted to throw witches in there. You know, so witches, okay. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to get that piece going. And then I could... You've played with some of my stuff, so I kind of wanted to have a little bit of a mystery going on. <laughs> so I played with my stuff. Yeah. It wasn't a mystery, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sorry. So I kind of wanted something where, you know, there would be, like, reveals in here and there, and you couldn't trust, you know, what was going on. Okay. That type of thing. So when you first put it together, you knew that we would be playing, uh, was it level five D&D characters? Right. And you knew that there was going to be four of us. What kind of stuff went into preparing for that? Uh, for me, I, I basically had, like, this little bit of an outline of kind of how the story was going to go um which is just a simple like uh rescue the damsel in distress kind of thing for a guy that you guys didn't really know that well okay. and then i would just see how it played out and i kind of i had an, i had a map to use and then i took like a theme from where that map was from which was i think uh some monastery with something had and that storyline had something to do with like a coldness and like the monk betrayed this woman and that's why i kind of used a little theme of that with the frozen like the cold yeah, that was kind of like last minute type of thing. Even the same thing with uh, the the Ranger Galarian. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with him. I was just maybe just going to have him go the whole way. But then I kind of want to introduce that whole uh, mystery of what's going on where you couldn't trust. Oh, that it's not even Galarian in the first place. It was like some some something else. I thought that on. was a pretty cool twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah. So and that the nice thing about that adventure was you could you could definitely continue it or spin off from it. Right. I kind of left it open where at the end, you know. The, the daughter that you rescued was, you know, corrupted by the witches and she's now part of the coven and she, you know. But it's not even just that uh, it had a cliffhanger or an open ending. There were probably three different hooks in that short adventure. Right. You got the, the guy who hired us. You could yeah, run right. a whole separate yes. thing off of, like, what's his deal. Yeah. I mean, you could make a whole adventure off of him. You could do something with the daughter. You could do something with the shape-shifting. Yes. Yeah, because so yeah, cool. that guy who hired us had his own... Uh, forces, but right. still right. chose us for some of the the wet work. The right, stuff because he, he, didn't he has divulged information to the coven, and yeah. his you know counterparts would have had him. And we never really did figure out if he was defender or foe. <laughs> he was Willem Defoe. Willem Defoe. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was one of those things when I was creating the story. I'm like, ah, uh, do I want to? Yeah, I kind of have to have it a little bit where you kind of know what's going on, but a little bit of mystery. And it was one of those things like, is anybody going to guess this? You know, and I remember explaining yeah. to my wife, she's like, that's pretty good. They won't guess. I'm like, I don't know. JJ might be able to pull something off. Yeah. You know? I was worried. It's like he's going to get this right from the start. That's going to be broken from the beginning. You know. But it how worked long? Out. How long was it before we broke it? No, I, th- I thought it was pretty good. It was. Uh, cool. Yeah, it went along nicely. You know. I mean, I think it was weird. I think that was the first time I, had, I wrote something and I had to fit it into a time frame. Okay. Into these, you know, like, okay, about an hour-ish. Yeah. So that I had to, like, figure out where I wanted to, like, have the break. And that's where I put, like, oh, the, the Dead Ranger. That's, like, the reveal at the end of that first episode, you know. So that was a little weird. And then keeping it, speeding up or slowing down combat, things like that. Because you guys could have fought for a lot longer to get out of there and, you know, dealt yeah. with the other children that were kidnapped, you know. But I kind of, we kind of rushed it to the end. That That is definitely something that... um I think Joe and I could definitely attest to, maybe even Kurt with the Pathfinder. It's trying to find those natural breaks that just work. And like with D&D, typically, you know, it's typically a marathon session, four to five hours. And, you know, random people get up at random times to go do their thing. And that's not the case at all with us. We are very regimented. Um, One of our special guests, uh, Josh, you know, even commented about how, just exceedingly efficient we are when we sit down to record and, and we play. think we're horrible but yes we, we do a pretty mm. good darn good job yeah yeah so that was regular that was like the weird thing and try to fit it in you know like oh i gotta because oh even if you're thinking like we're gonna do an episode and i'll have the beginning and the end well i don't know if it's gonna go like that you guys are gonna move it around so i might have to slow something up or you know speed, yeah speed it up and you know slow down whatever so that was kind of weird for me yeah fitting that in so, you know what Go ahead. No, you go ahead. How do you gauge the amount of time that it's going to take for an, an encounter or a portion of a story? That's a very good question. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I, I was trying to think. Uh, I would do it like, all right, for going one-hour episodes. Uh, all right, so I might want like some informational things, like role-playing piece, and then maybe one action moment. And you could, like a combat, I could, well, just a couple guys. Like, I had those bandits attack you, like, will come in and start trouble. No combat happened, but it could have, and it would have been fine. And it, but we turn it into a social role playing. Right. So that first episode is a little shorter, but not too bad. If we would have had combat, we might have been right at the hour. It would have been fine. So I kind of threw in there could be combat. It doesn't have to be, but I we let it roll out, and you guys, yeah, you didn't fight, which was which was cool though. So yes. I was trying to edge you guys on to start a fight, and it didn't happen. Well, I think another trick <clears throat> is there are probably natural stopping points. So, so for example. Getting to the bottom of the stairs with the big <laughs> right, monster. Yeah. You, you could stop there. But let's say we look at the clock and it's 50 minutes. Oh, yeah. And you're like, well, I wanted to stop there right as they're staring up at this yeah, monastery right. in the cliffs. Yeah. And that's a great yeah. place to stop. Uh, but if you've got 10 minutes left, you can go in. Yeah. You can do five to 10 minutes of you know, kind of quote-unquote boring explanation. Right. And then you just throw in a reveal of something that they see. Maybe it's a statue that's particularly exciting, right. or or uh, the, you know, you can make you get you got to come up with those quick hooks that you can just yeah. throw in to be so, an ending yeah, so point. So this was that turning the body of Galarian over. Oh my God, it's it's Galarian. Who's this guy that led us here? You know? Exactly, right. exactly. So so I had to have that at the end of that. Being able to throw that kind of thing in, it doesn't necessarily have to be that you just ended a combat or you just right. finished a yeah. role play. Right. Um, what I was going to say, I, what I love about the D&D starter set, and I thought your adventure worked with it nicely as well, is that it does a great job of not falling into the trap that a lot of us do when we uh, homebrew adventures, where you know if you start with level one or level two characters, 
there's a natural inclination to throw too much at the players too early because you right. want it to be exciting. Yes. And so like they see a dragon <laughs> at the end of their first adventure, like yeah. an adult dragon or you know some yeah. huge. And the starter set does a great job of you know at level one you fight some goblins and then oh, yeah. you know I think you see the the orc with his wolves or whatever. Yeah. You know, and eventually there's a wizard, but like yeah. it's it's a very reasonable encounter. And this and this one and this one and this one was, this one was the same. What? Yes, hold on. Sorry, hang on. It's the audio thing. Hold on. We just need a few seconds. It will clear up like Should that and continue. Now. Okay. Um, your adventure fit nicely as well where there was uh, there was challenge and the witches were scary. And then you've got, what was it, the rock golem or the rock elemental at right. the end. But we knew enough to hightail it right. out yeah, of there. Kind of that was like, yeah, yeah. Not, not that I railroaded, but like, yeah, forced you. Like, this guy's going to be a pain in the ass. Right. It's better just to get out. You know? When I think about making, <laughs> making adventures, um, that's one of the challenges is, you know, throwing too high a level and enemies at yeah. low level adventurers uh, just to make it more exciting and that's not really the, the way to do it. Gotcha. It's so, an equation, right? Like with kind of. back to your question with you know, how do you do that? Um, one way I've been doing it with Strahd campaign outside of our episodes is I've been telling the players I expect you to do X, Y, and Z during this episode. And so while it is a form of metagaming and I feel like if we were a not, if we were not recording, I would definitely not do that. I would do nothing to lead you guys on. But with the with within the context of producing a podcast and keeping it entertaining, I feel that that's needed. You don't think that a regular tabletop game would benefit from that? Maybe not to the extent that you do for our podcast, but maybe just an overarching statement before we sit down and roll and say today we are going to encounter a b and c it can be, it can be useful definitely like a if, high level if you've got a group that is willing to go along with that or even wants to there are some groups that just don't want to turn over every leaf and look in every corner and check for every square for traps and what's at this door and what's at that door some just want to know where the important thing is yep and leading in that direction if, if it's the right group yeah but if maybe if you have a completionist group or somebody that's really going to take offense to the idea of i can't explore on my own it's more of a judgment call. Well, and yeah. that's that's totally a group call because some groups hate the idea of being railroaded in any way. You know, they basically want a sandbox, and others want a much more linear game because they don't want to waste time on stuff that's not exciting. Exactly. Um, and I think right. we're a combination, and certainly for recording purposes, we yeah. try not to meander too much. Well, see, they typically uh, when I played D and D before, you know, note passing between players and DMs uh, is a huge thing, but yeah, that w- yeah. that does not work in this context, right. in the context of what we're trying to do here. So, we are definitely not a traditional D and D group. Now, I do like though. I don't like. I personally don't like very much being told like you've got to do this, this, and this. But I do like if we're in a room where there's not going to be anything exciting, essentially the DM doing you know some yeah, type of symbol in the air, like yeah. just yeah. Yeah, keep going. Because right. there's nothing. <laughs> I mean, wasting ten minutes to not find anything while we all make perception and yeah. investigation checks yeah. is boring. So in the in what you put together, Chris, were there any spots where you wanted to push us along, or were we? No, uh, I think it went well. I mean, I, I will let. I, I find that like because I'm doing the podcast, I didn't let you guys meander as much in the room. That might have been you know another. If I wasn't doing a pot, yeah, go ahead and take your time and see where it plays out. But with that, I kind of I didn't have to push you guys along too bad though. Yeah, it worked out. It was nice. Well, and if I remember correctly, your adventure did have one of those points that happens to me all the time, and it was with the bandits where, um, you know, I was trying to figure out like, can we just social role play this, or is this? have to be a combat and it was oh, kind of yeah. like you know we're asking questions and we're talking and they're being difficult and not answering oh, right. well, and i'm kind of yeah. like 
Am I missing something? No, here, no. That's how like, I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be like these guys are kind of almost looking yeah. for pay or revenge for the guys getting killed, yeah. and they're blaming it on whoever they can. And you guys weren't falling into that. We're teetering but on the edge yeah, of initiative. Yeah. And so they were being dicks to try to you know, force yeah. it, but it didn't have to. And then they kind of all right, we're okay with these guys. And then they kind of like divulge some information for you. You know, it worked out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you deal with uh, when the players decide to just go a totally different direction? In the context of that event, adventure, and, and that, yeah. yeah, I mean that one. I kind of, I kind of gave you a. Here's your starting point. Here's your ending point. Rescue this girl, and yeah. by any means necessary, and like here's the information uh, that you have to go here. So I kind of here's the boundaries. You know, I kind of like they, they were very like well stated instead yeah. of like wide open. But we so that also was easy, I towards think. the end we <laughs> also kind of I think we started to ruffle at the end where. We wanted to go back and kill the Earth Elemental. We wanted to go get those kids out of the room that right. we had locked yeah. up. But I, I, I don't know how long we spent on that, five, ten minutes. Maybe we're talking about it. And at one point, you're like, look, you're not going to kill the Earth Elemental. You can come back for the kids, whatever. You guys need to leave, right? Essentially, well, you're telling us well, it's more this of those is things, the time Well, yeah, your mission is yeah. retrieve the girl and get her back you know, as fast as you can. So, you did, yeah, you did. that was the job. But, yeah, I would have. the thing was we were running out of time, and yeah. like, we could have went to another episode and did that. You yeah. Know? That would have been fine. But so like, we like what I mean, it. I guess, is uh, what if the players like completely throw a monkey wrench? Like, what if we had decided to go over to the next village, find a girl, <laughs> burn her alive, and then bring back the charred remains of found your daughter? Sorry, right. hold on, well, we that, didn't. Am I remembering? This, this is why adventure? I attached the NPC Galarian to kind of uh, like keep everything in check. He's yeah, the guide. Right, yeah. Right. What yeah, I can see that happening. It? I mean, I, I thought about. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, but for the group to do that, I mean, that's pretty yeah. hardcore. Well, I thought about wanting to tell the guy who hired us and like forget about his mission, figure out what his deal was, right. and then that could have been an, uh, an episode. It wasn't Fandelver where we were in, but whatever the town we were in is Lamore. Yeah, yeah Lamore. It could have been a, 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 more of a social thing, but right, yeah. yeah. Then the DM would be like, "Screw you, dude! <laughs> tell what, us all." What did, What did you remember about it that you liked? I liked. Or didn't like. Um, I yeah. really I like the uh, twist with Galarian. I think that was that could have been we could have spent like several episodes just investigating yeah. that angle of things. I would have wanted to trace his tracks back. Well, it's weird because I have a, a lot of backstory to the, why things were. You guys will never know unless we play again and yeah. you know, it comes to, comes to the light. But yeah, I always have something set up so like things will make sense, even though you, the characters might know right off the bat. Yeah. 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 Seems like there was there's lots of little side like little strings that we could have pulled on along the way. Even in the monastery, oh yeah, right. all those bodies. Yeah, there's tons. Of we stuff. never got yeah. to the bottom yeah. of that. Well, JJ and I were talking. I've been reading the Wizards of the Coast Curse of Strahd book, and I'm avoiding anything that would relate to the ending because I don't want it to be ruined. But I've been going back and reading the rest of the adventure, and there's all kind of stuff that JJ brought in something that there's much much more backstory. In the adventure, like mm-hmm. a lot more that to us is just like, oh, like for example, the, we got a little better hint on it, but the saber tooth tiger attack, yep. for example, or I think maybe at one point we saw the wa- you know, wagon that like yeah. there's all this kind of stuff in the story that, that we'll never know. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. But it's like good. I, I even it's, mentioned the, uh, at one point I mentioned the, the, the guy out in the lake, he's on a boat. Right, right, right. And the backstory to that is he's literally got a child bound and about to drown them. And uh, you guys never investigated, right. so we never came across it. Like, interesting. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> what? No, there's a lot of stuff. That I, I, like, we never. I give you the threads. If you grab it, cool. Yeah, right. If not, 
we're moving on. Yeah. Like there's some right. major characters that we have not even met and won't probably won't ever meet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that's pivotal, if it's something you just pivotal, you have to like, have it. Well, you have you could just reintroduce it, right? So even if yeah. the players don't go down that particular path, then all of a sudden, let's say that your your example, the guy in the middle of the lake was important. Well, we run into him later on. We recognize him from the lake, and then that's how you reintroduce right. that. His right? name is Pickle Dingle. <laughs> he shows us his dingle. <laughs> he does. Yeah. It tells and us it's a fuzzy pickle. It's all yeah, pickly. Dingy. All right. um, yeah, no, it's... So how many NPCs did you prepare, and to what level of detail? You, uh, you've already said you had a bunch of stuff behind the scenes, but give I us, think uh, really give us some insight f- into I, that. I would say, like, four main NPCs. We had, you know... Uh, Heinemann, who hired you, you know, who, who you kind of work for, and then his friend, William, William Frenrick, and then the daughter, Thomason, and then Galarian, the, uh, the ranger that kind of guided you. And then the bandits are kind of you know, on their own, I guess, but not early NPCs. But, you know, so how much, a, how much really, do you write down and how much is just in your head? Everybody had a couple lines, you know, of just information. I had like a back history between, you know, of why, uh, what really happened to uh, Willem's wife, you know, the whole mysterious accident and what happened there and why Thomason ends up killing him at, Towards the end, you know, so I have that backstory that's available. And do you have like organizations for them in the town? I just I had the very little bit like because I still don't like he said he's the guild master or what? Well, it could be the thieves guild or the assassins guild or both. I wouldn't know. It didn't really matter right now for that. Just like this guy has a uh, he's you know, a businessman, quote unquote, but he has uh, you know connections with all these other organizations. So you're not really sure what that guy's up to. But, you know, it's something that could come to play later. But you know, it didn't need it wasn't important for the story. Now, I do have a question for you. Have you ever had a player group uh, decide to just become uncomfortably attached to a NPC that you now have to make an integral part of your campaign? Like, case in point, the one that I can remember is um, a group I was playing with uh, became obsessed with this chuck norris type paladin whose whose sacred weapon was, was his fist and like he always fist bumped people he never hand shook but whenever you fist bump there's a chance he was going to break your hand because you know <laughs> because he's the chuck, chuck norris. norris paladin right you know so like he the, the group became just ridiculously attached to him like do you then use him as a plot hook yeah i've done that with people uh like i've run on most of most of the stuff in the greyhawk campaign so i use all those people from greyhawk like uh the lord mayor and he's running an organization they kind of work for him so i have all those people in greyhawk that people come to rely on for certain things and they're in the story a lot but i'm not afraid to pull a joss whedon or george r, r. martin and waste important characters so people get in there and the players i have players like be literally bummed out like oh my god it's such a cool character and you killed them yeah, yeah that's right because bad stuff happens you know so but that you have to build that character up and pc up like man people love him and then you take him away and people are bummed out about it that sucks, man. <laughs> I was very attached to a, a young NPC once. Named Wylena? Wylena. <laughs> the one that you threw in a pit? Yeah. Oh, no, wait. You, dro- too attached then? <laughs> you dropped the wagon on her? Yeah. She's still around. Is that what it's called? These She's days? singing my, singing my yeah. tale. She's a great kinda, bard that she is. Yeah. It's kind of recovering from all the broken bones. A little PTSD yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. Every time she goes near a wagon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Mickey, what else did you... Um, think about that adventure or i mean we can talk about the characters we revisited too i had a new one well that was always fun it's always fun to revisit old characters right because they they take on their own little personality as you go through a campaign and i played brie in that one right brie Greenbottle from the opening Mm -hmm. yeah in the starter set and she 
turned out just to be, she was a, a halfling with a giant chip on her shoulder. She always wanted to, kind of like every character I play, really. <laughs> yeah, They're not all halflings, though. <laughs> They're not all halflings, yeah. but they all seem to have a problem, yeah. especially with his characters. Well, yeah, regardless of what <laughs> they regardless are. Regardless of what they are. <laughs> yeah. Whatever he plays, I never I do anything wrong. It's no, just, <laughs> everything it's just, you play, I hate. That's how it works. And so everyone assumes, I, I assume that everyone listening anyways, assumes that we have some kind of really dysfunctional marriage. No. But it's really not. She's fairly meek at home and it's nice. Meek? And Fuck you. <laughs> they get to make up after each session. Fuck you. Meek, my ass. Was it Actually, different to play, like, run these characters through this different type? This is more like a horror-based like, kind of module and the creepiness factor as opposed to like the standard starter set adventure. You know? Yeah, it, w- it is difficult to do that. It's difficult to kind of moderate your... Re- reaction to the world you're playing in, right? That I had a hard time at the beginning. When we when we switched Brie from the situation that she was in in the starter set to this, it was kind of hard to find her footing, but after a while you kind of yeah. just rediscover who the character is and their motivations. Right. All deep in shit. I actually, I actually have a question for the group um, to take it away from um, the campaign the little short campaign we just ran, but to back to the Strahd. Um, we've talked about it, but we haven't really actually done anything with it. But what are the backstories of our characters? Like, we kind of sort of glossed over it in exchange for telling the story of the book. But I think this should be an opening to, you know, let, it, let you know, was Calvin, was he, you know, orphaned as a child and, you know, was taken in by a Paylor temple. Like, what? What is the backstory to Calvin, to Mister Joshua, to Teelan and Noctra? I think for Calvin, he just he heard the calling one day. Uh, no bad childhood, nothing really. Uh, just completely normal back end story. And one day he uh, he was just out, and the the light hit him. Right, uh, he's passing passing by the right church at the right time, and uh, uh, maybe walking by the uh, the front of the church. Uh, the sunlight glared off of one of the stained glass windows, caught him in the eye, and he turned towards the church, and it was just bathed oh. in a halo of burnt retina, and it, he was just taken uh, by Paylor. At that so time. he has permanent sunspots uh, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, okay. if you're following Paylor, you've got to have something <laughs> yeah. like that. You're constantly That's staring into the yeah. light. It's got to make sense, right? But um, yeah, de- definitely. Probably spent some time in there, found the right um, the right leader uh, within the church to, to show him the right way to, to go about finding the light. Remember, it's go to the light of Paylor, not just go Paylor. I mean, come on. Everyone knows this now, at least ever since I made it up. And um, that, that would be where he started. And then from there, realizing he could take that word out and beat up people who didn't agree with it. Fair enough. Essentially. You know, the bad guys, not the good people who did So, so Calvin took proselytizing to another level. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's a door-to-door salesman for Paylor. All right, Mr. Joshua, what's, 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 do we have a little bit, a little bit of his backstory? Like, I don't really have much because I, like, when I came into the We kind group, of just threw you in there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, is this guy going to last you know, a couple episodes and yeah. you know, bite it? You know, is he a red shirt? So I didn't really think back. But I mean, I, I know, you know he's got the whole Order of the Feather and he's like the spy master. And really, for him, it's just like... He's tired of what's going on, and he wants to change the world because Barovia's horrible, and he's tired of this curse that's over the land, and he wants to do whatever it takes to change that. That's why you saw him like protect, uh, I can't remember the woman's, the wife's name, Dimitri's wife, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember. Irwina? Irwin? No. No. Uh, Lady. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Mrs. What's-Her-Face. Uh, Anna. Would, Anna. That's her Anna. Anna, yep. Anna, yeah. Where he, yeah. He wants to protect the innocent. That's his thing, and he's, t- he's just tired of like 
innocent people getting hurt, and he's tired of like straw shit. You know, so he'll do whatever it takes, including turning into a crow. Well, that's yeah, a raven. Sorry, raven. That's uh, yeah. a crow. Wow. <laughs> Gosh, so make him eat. Make 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 him eat make you crow. eat crow. Make yeah. me yeah. eat raven. <laughs> what crow oh. tastes like chicken anyway? Go Fela. So about Thielen, we never really did delve into his backstory much. He has a book. <laughs> he has a book. No one ever he has a book. Yeah. No. Um, so I don't have a super developed backstory for him, but I, you, you know, when I st- created the character, I used the uh, Haunted One background, which mm-hmm. was one of the uh, backgrounds that came out specifically for the Curse of Strahd adventure to try to that you could use to give the characters more of a kind of a horror or a gothic horror background. And so I. Uh, to some degree, I rolled on you know the D and D books. They give you a table, and you can roll. If I didn't like it, then I picked the one I liked. But um, you know, the main idea for him was that uh, he had a harrowing event in his past, and so uh, the way that that was written is: I opened an Eldritch tome and saw things unfit for a sane mind. I burned the book, but its words and images are burned into my psyche, and so I used that kind of as a as a you know as a teenager. That sounds like the beginning of a warlock. Well, it, you know, it's interesting. So his parents were spellcasters. Is the, it was my idea. So they had books and a library. And basically my thought was that I had been looking at something I shouldn't have been looking at. Okay. As probably like a 16 or 17-year-old in the house and saw like n- not just something I shouldn't have seen, but something that like truly psychically scarred me and made me realize how much true evil there was in the world. And so that leads to my ideal, which is I kill monsters to make the world a safer place and to exercise my demons. But also it says um, my torment or a bond is that my torment drove away the person I love. I strive to win back the love I've lost. But instead of that being a girl or a romantic interest, it's my father. Okay. Because it's, it's basically put a wedge between us because of what I had seen and how I you know, basically kind of destroyed my um, – and so – the idea there is also that part of that my sorcerer wild magic stuff is because I'm. I mean, I know that that's supposed to be innate, but it, I'm so I'm screwed up, so I don't have total control over my magic. Like, fair I enough. Could, couldn't go and study to be a wizard, for example, the way that. Um, wizard. My, it was just wizard. easier to harness magic than it was to study magic. Yes, and but then the um, the trinket that I have, which I I tried to bring up a few times and never went anywhere, but there's a trinket on the table in the haunted one that I loved, which was I have a little black book that records my dreams and mine alone when I sleep. You wake up every morning and have a new page in this little black book that records what you dreamt about the night before, which would be could be really fun, especially if you coordinated with the DM a little bit. You could have foreshadowing or metaphorical dreams that would relate to what's going on in the adventure in the party. So. Um, none of that has come out very well, but that's kind of in my mind in, in the background. It does two things. One, it, it explains his kind of moody, quiet, melancholy state. And two, I tend to want to play diplomatic talking combat as a last option. And with Thielen, I need to remember, like, no, he sees monsters, he kills monsters. Like, yeah. He doesn't try to talk to the mummy, he just kills the mummy. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. The mummy. Yeah. What about Noctra? Noctra, um, her backstory's bit tragic um she had the perfect life you know she lived in a small village outside um the count that oversaw that village was very good to his people her father was like the count's right hand person it was very jovial guy always joking which is why she had those one-liners at the beginning it's her way of connecting with her father i miss those yeah that's on mickey for not preparing but um 
you know, she had the perfect life. She married the guy next door, had a, a child with him. They were very, very I happy. I didn't know she had a kid. She did. She had a child. Interesting. Um, she was very happy. One day she went off to the neighboring village to go shopping to bring, you know, it was a birthday was coming up, so she went to get a gift. And when she came back, her village was decimated. Like, think of that scene in Milan when everything was burned when the Han went through. Everything was yeah. burned to the ground. And she looked around and her family was all killed by vampires. And from the looks of it, they just did it for sport. There was no reason for it. They just killed because they wanted to. So um, she single-handedly by herself piled all the bodies in the center of town, lit them on fire. And as she was going to throw herself on that pyre, the Raven Queen appeared before her and said, if you want to avenge your family, I, I will give you the, the chance. You know, Praise me, you know, devote your life to me, and I'll give you the skills that you need to, to rid this world of the monsters that killed your family. Fair so enough. she dedicated her life to that since then. So that's why she kicks ass. That's why she kicks ass. What happened ass. to her child? Killed by the vampires. So that was the last like body. Like killed, not is a vampire somewhere, no, maybe? She just, the, because that would be a neat killed, twist. They killed them all yeah. for sport. <laughs> so this raises a good yeah, question. Would be, that would have yeah, been cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> she faces her face. is flat out, you, yeah. you got the death certificate, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's me. Playing footsies with Joe under the that's table. Right. So yeah. how do you... Um, sometimes I feel like the backstory comes out more than others. Like... I don't know, maybe it's because of the, you know, we've been really driving the plot along with Strahd and we're conscious yeah. of the time and there's so much to do, but like, how does that come out in a way that's natural and not forced? You know, short of like, well, we're sitting around the campfire one night. Tell me. No, definitely a company picnic. <laughs> definitely a company picnic, yeah. Team building uh, activities. Yeah. yeah. I, that's a good question. How do you do it? I mean, short of it's, just it's, running so into here, things. Let me, uh, let me tell you my opinion, at least. It's never natural. It's always forced. It has to be forced because... It's not. It's not your backstory. It's your characters. You're gonna. You have to force it in somewhere. And um, part of the stuff I do with Calvin of uh, you know remember that time where I used to do a whatever that that kind of thing is just forcing a little tidbit in here or there. I mean, but it's more for me the the idea of why is the character here now and what motivates him. Hopefully that leads to what the backstory was. So uh, to. to what JJ was saying about Calvin to begin with, was it something that got him into this? And yes, it was, but it wasn't anything as dramatic as one of, you know, what that thought might have been. But clearly, the way I try and play it is the way I play the character is you know something made him go this route. Whether you know what it is or not, it, you know that there's something driving him forward in that respect. So that, that's part of it, and you've got to force that in. There, in my opinion, there's no natural way for character backstory to come in unless you just say what your backstory is. As yeah. part of a, here's what everyone's backstory session is. Because Everyone, it doesn't I, it, fit. I th you, you said it before in, a, in yeah. one of our other uh, uh, sidebars is, you know, everyone has a secret backstory until they volunteer the information. Everything. Yeah. One of my favorite things, and I, I, I'm sure I've said it in our podcast before, especially in a sidebar, but I read, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, somebody's blog somewhere on the internet, so I wish I could give this person credit, but it was an eye-opener for me when I first read it. Unlike the real world, where we can look around and everything is visible until you search for something, on our RPG, it's exactly the opposite. Everything is invisible until someone says it. So if you didn't say it, it never happened. If you didn't say it, it's not there. Somebody has to say it or it doesn't exist. Yep. Because you can't do it by visual reference alone. And that's a key thing. If you don't say, my character's brooding in a corner reading in his book, nobody's ever going to even know that you have it. 
right. forget about it, regardless of where it may be written down or our own references to it, right? Right. That's a good point. So you're saying we as characters need to do a better job of it? If you want it to be known, you have to say it. Yeah. It won't be known unless you say it. You have to volunteer your information. Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. like when, when we walk into a room and we want to know what the room looks like, we make assumptions in our head. Like if, he, if JJ is telling us that there's a blazing hearth, then we can all assume that there's a fire in a fireplace. But did we just make the picture as well that there's a portrait over the fireplace, or do we need him to tell us? Or is there that, that the poker is, is polished and next to the fireplace? <clears throat> if he didn't say that, then we're saying, well, there's uh, a fireplace, and that's it. So as you read out the description, then you get to hear more about it. And in the meantime, we're putting pictures together in our heads. I'm hearing him say things like, this is a really clean room. Um, there, In other places, there's been the talk of the red drapes and golden tassels and stuff. So I'm picturing this place as being really regal, like a study that Kurt yeah. said. So I've got this whole picture in my head based off of what he read. And if he had read something slightly different, then I build a different picture. But in the meantime, if I don't say, you know, there's a really nice chair in the corner, if he doesn't say it, then nobody else even knows it. I'm just imagining this crap. So we've got to say it out loud for it to actually happen. Yeah. And I have two thoughts. I mean, one, I would say it's worth, at least I think for most people, it would be worth making the effort to push the backstory in. Because yeah. as I've said, I have not felt as connected to this character. Even though I like the adventure, I'm enjoying it. I haven't felt as emotionally connected to Thielen, and I think that's because by my not pushing some yeah. of his backstory and motivations out there, he's really, to be honest, a fairly generic sorcerer walking around doing this adventure and having fun, but um, I don't feel as connected to him as I do to Truk, for example. Yeah. But then thinking about Truk, the other thing is um, his, some of his backstory came out, I think, more naturally because we had interactions with him at his monastery and with his yeah. sensei and stuff. Whereas in this adventure, we're transported completely, completely out, of, your out of our element into yeah. a totally new foreign world. So you have to make even more of an effort to push your backstory in if you want it to come out. Yep. Um, yeah. Which, you know, and maybe some people don't. Maybe they're like, hey, this is a chance to be in a totally new world, play a new character, and just go do the adventure. That's cool. But if you want that role play attachment to your character, I think Joe and JJ are exactly right that you have to force it in. But I think one of the things that you've done, just to point out something I think you've done well, is regardless of how you word it, whether it's story-based or whatever, when Kurt actually says things like, he's a monster hunter, so he's going to do this, it's keeping true to that. Now you're stating motivation and why your character is doing something right now. But, and, and maybe it's not as poetic as trying to get into the game with it, but it, whether it's metagamey or not, it is saying, this is the motivation of my character right now, which to me lends itself to, to again, picturing in my mind, when Thielen sees the mummy, then there's that spark in his eye. This is a monster. This is something that needs to be uh, disposed of. A new challenge. Of. It, it, uh, it's, yeah. This is my new target. And I, I think of it as where Thielen may not be really focused on stuff normally. When he sees the monster, there's this laser focus. And when you say something like, well, he's a monster hunter, this thing. So in my head, I get that picture. Cool. So what advice would you have or what kind of tips would you have for players who maybe are a bit more shy and aren't as outgoing? What tips do you have for them to bring their characters in and their backstory? It might depend on, like, for example, like one of my bonds is like protect people that can't protect themselves. So in that one episode, I, I'm, even though I made my save, right, I'm not going to take any damage from that fireball. You know what? I have this innocent woman here. I'm going to take the hit for it. And it's something, that little action shows that guy's character, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just one line. It's not a lot, but it goes, man, he, he could have easily not taken any damage. He was safe. Well, but no, he took that huge yeah. hit. Protect somebody he barely knows. 
but she's an innocent, you know, and that's part of the character. Like that, sh- that shows you why wow, Mr. Joshua didn't have to do that. He doesn't even know these people, you know, but he did anyway. Right. So it shows a little bit. You don't have to go extravagant, you know, it'd be just something small actions like that could show a part of the character. Well, yeah, and we don't want to talk about it because it, it won't be released yet, but in the episode <laughs> we just recorded, I mean, you do something for a party member, but still that's very selfless right. and it's very consistent with the way that you have played yeah. Joshua all along. So it right. feels natural, right. which is great. Um, to that point, consistency. Mm-hmm. Pick what you want your character to be like and stick with it. Yeah, I, I also so think before we even started, and I said Calvin is going to be a proselytizing cleric. I hadn't even picked a deity or anything. Yet. Like, well, I knew what I wanted. That's what I was going to do. Everybody he sees, have you heard of Paylor? Yeah. Do you know who and Paylor it's, you is? You got that door to door salesman, like you said. It, We've got to do his yeah. attitude. You know, it, yeah. That's good. yeah, I do think if you have um, shy or more reserved players at the table, um, it's it's incumbent on the other people at the table to make an effort in character to draw their character out. Well, it can also help. be a way too where the DM can set it up where they could use whatever piece they want to bring forth. The DM could set up, do a setup, and then yeah. they could play it. Out. There's exactly. always a spotlight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean JJ's talked about that a lot on other sidebars, and maybe Joe as well. The idea of shifting the spotlight on to different characters, which I think is a great one because. Not everyone can be the center of attention every episode. Right. And some people don't want to be the center of attention very often, but I still think it's important if they're going to show up that their character gets spotlighted right. and that they yeah. take the lead at some point. Yeah. I like the idea of pushing Noctra forward now that um, Calvin knows her as a person who kicks doors down. So if there's a door, <laughs> it's go. Here, check it out. <laughs> now, we've now learned that Mr. Joshua can hear as well. So <laughs> let him listen before you kick the door in. But... Foot will be applied to those door. Those boots are made for kicking. Right. <laughs> that's right. So that's one way, to, to Kurt's point, if other players help encourage. Um, yeah. Not that Mickey's shy, but right. <clears throat> but the idea that Calvin now can has a, a, a thing with Noctra to be able to, yeah, you do it. Because I'm already here. I'll be, you know, Calvin's right there. He'll help you with the shield of faith. He'll help you with the warding bomb, whatever. You'll get the healing. After you kick that door in, okay? So, <laughs> door it, it, must be it, it's first. a shtick, but that's for me, that's the stuff that sticks with a character. You remember the character for something they did or for something they said. You don't remember them necessarily for any backstory. Yeah, I mean, or you, you think back to all of our memorable characters. There was Saunders. Saunders. You know, there was. Uh, <laughs> you remember Sean Gone with his damn incense. Yes. And curry. And curry. And curry. And curry. Yes. And curry. We even had yeah. fan mail about the curry. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you, you, you gotta kind of pick something and just take it to the absurd. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you're almost yeah. overacting that one piece of the character, right, to make yes. it stand up. Uh, shoot him in the knee. Shoot him in the yeah. knee. That's shoot great. Knee. That's shoot the, first, yeah. ask questions later. Yeah. It's like how I play everything. And then to your point <laughs> earlier, um, for those more shy characters, maybe everyone else at the table. So, like for example, you just. Mr. Joshua and just taking the damage for that innocent, that could turn into a conversation after the yes. battle. You know, yep. hey, Mr. Joshua, what happened there? Why'd you do that? Oh, right. You know, yeah. that's another opportunity to, to inject more role play. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. RPG. Or even like you say about his whole you know, monster killing thing, which I don't, we haven't got to yet, where maybe we want to interrogate a, this monster and he just pushes us out of the way and like, wants to kill it and we're trying to hold him back. Yeah. Why are you like this? What, Break you know? the staff. What, yeah, that brings it <laughs> what happened to you? Yeah, right. he could kind of like, yeah. it was, you know. Yeah, the, the, yeah I mean, the, 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 the <laughs> players have to volunteer that information. Yeah. Like, it has to be, yeah. <laughs> but for I would say for shy people, um, you, you, 
the people at the table work with them, even if it's just one-on-one, because a lot of times the shy people don't want a whole group telling them what to do. Yeah. But even if it's just one-on-one, pick something about this character that you really like. Maybe it's a piece of equipment. Maybe they've got the, uh, the great axe that has uh, runes on it from an ancient civilization or something. Just talk about that. Every time you go to swing at something, the runes glow, or I grab the, the handle of this huge axe or whatever yeah, it is. Didn't, didn't Mike yeah. have a, a sword, or mm-hmm. a great sword? Yeah, he, yeah. he named it. Um, this first Frederica? Day. Uh, no, so that was my plan. That was your plan. Yes, Sir Walter Moss had a name yes. for the his battle axe for that that yeah, starter set character. Um, he did, but uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that kind of yeah. thing. That Come could up with actually, that one thing and say it. That could actually be a fun way to start a campaign, right? So everyone yes. get around the table and start just building your characters. Right? What's unique about your character that yeah. you want to inject? And honestly, I think that my favorite campaign where that really came out was the uh, fly by the seat of your pants campaign that joe did the miami vice <laughs> one yeah. like we yeah. all state you know basically found a shtick and yeah. then stuck to it right right well the um i love Although that story he uh kurt had that great um double agent thing at the end that was nice I that was a, a hell of a Secret twist i wasn't expecting man. it it was nice i, I wasn't either yeah <laughs> but it was nice it just came out of nowhere the um I, I have a backstory I wrote for a character for a campaign that I think we got an hour done and then aborted, but I could see like it being a book. Like I have such a great idea for this character that if I were to write a fantasy novel, like it's going to cool. be that. And then the other one, backstory did not come out at all just because of the nature of what we were doing. But the Cthulhu one that we did, you know, I had a ton yeah. of fun writing you know, a page for each one of those characters and making yeah. sure that every one of them had a link to the other one because I wanted really you to be stuff. able to sit down and have a sense right off why this party was together. And not a word of it came out in the uh, play, but I still have really enjoyed doing that. But that helped us as players yes. play the game right. because as we came across, I remember there was a situation where it was like my brother went in. So I'm like, that's my brother. I'm going in after him. Even if I ended up, my character ended up dying. I was going down that road. That's good stuff. Those types of backstories that just give a player some information to work with, that's key. And And yeah, it's effort, but it's fun to do. Like you said, Kurt, you were able to write up a bunch of stuff that um, it took some time. I think you had said when you showed it to your wife, she said, this should be a book or a movie or something like that. And that that means you know you did something good because it intrigues somebody who's not even interested in what we do. Right. Right. It's it's a nice thing. You you just said you you, you created a backstory for one character and you only played it for an hour. That doesn't mean that character's dead. It can come back at any time. Exactly. Exactly. Noctra is in a previous campaign. Thea, Mm -hmm. you know, she also played was in a previous campaign. Nestleus would need reincarnation. And actually, this one... uh, I need to bring out Selena next time. Yeah, this one would be... I would bring back because it's a bard and I've never played a bard. And... uh, Yeah. Part of the problem is that cool. I think I would want a dungeon master for him because he's got a tie to a sibling, and I'd want the sibling to like end up in the story. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> well, but that, I mean, that's good stuff. That actually brings up another topic. Um, your backstory should become part of the campaign. Now, when we've done our Dungeon World campaigns, yeah. I force that. I make sure that whatever we've written it turns into part of the campaign in some way or another. And that's almost impossible to do with a pre-published adventure. Yep. However, if you're going to play Sandbox, I encourage everybody to write something that you want to show up in the game. And then tell the DM, I want this to show up in the game. 
uh, it, because if you don't, again, wasted words. It, it can give you a feel for your character, but it doesn't help the, the system, or the, the actual campaign world. But that's a big thing. When you say something like that, that maybe your bard has a link to a brother, well, there, that, that's several days of adventure right there. Your brother got kidnapped by somebody, or um, you're the one who's lost and your brother's trying to find you. Right? There's so many different ways that you can approach it. But it takes the piece that you're talking about and turns it into what you wanted, that you have that link, and now everyone can play in that adventure as well. Cool. What else you want to talk about? I'm, I think I'm actually going to name this one Banter and Backstory. That sounds good. Yeah. Sounds we, need, good. we need one more B, though, for alliteration. Banter, banter, banter bullshit, and backstory. <laughs> I was going to say bitches, but okay. Either one, work. Either one I'm not going to put in the show title. But that's going to be That's funny. Ah. Banter, bullshit, and backstory. Yeah. I could put banter, BS, and backstory. Yeah, I would do go. that. Yeah. yeah. Let me write that down here. That's what you got to do sometimes. You got to BS your way through it. Yes. Um, so I want to circle back, Chris, to your your adventure that you ran. Um, what? And I don't want to do any spoilers or anything because we may in, indeed go visit it again. But right. what would you say would be one of the next steps in that? So I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I remember as a recap, and anyone help me out here? But at the end, we're back at this guy's place, and we start to hear commotion outside, and there's fighting, and we don't know what's going on, and uh, we hear them get out there and fight or whatever it is. We look outside; people are getting killed. We turn back. And the guy whose kid we rescued yeah. falls face first with a dagger through his throat. Yeah. I think it was through his throat. And she's standing there and says, let them eat dirt. Right. And then we're like, all right, let's say bye now. Like, fuck no. <laughs> right? I think we all had that Shit feeling at that point. That's what right? I wanted, though. You know? So without necessarily letting out spoilers, where would you see that the characters going next? What, what should the characters have been doing based on what you anticipated? I... I thought about it a little bit. It could be one of the like if we revisit that again. Yeah, do we play it out where like the you know that uh, elemental comes bar- like blasting through the door and you guys got to deal with it and the girls either yeah. you know stays there and does something or leaves, or do I have it where you guys are recovering after this great battle with this rock elemental, you know, and that's how the next part of the story goes and it's however I want to break it off next, you know. I, I, I yeah. kind of didn't really figure it out, like what I want to do. I have you know? no quarry with the rock elemental now. Yeah, that's. Oh, <laughs> no. You said that before we started recording. I he thought it was did. gone. No, nope. it came back. Uh, yeah, I never had a good joke lie. Yeah. Uh, so the because one of my thoughts with that was my next thought was the the picture in my mind was all four of the characters are going to jump at this girl, grab her, right. hold her down, and find out what the f is going on. Yeah. Right. That that was my thought of what was about to happen. We we're going to find out because I don't think any of us were about to kill her immediately. Because right. I think with with well, except for Bree, shoot her in the knee <laughs> or in the neck. But I would want to know what the heck's going on. You know right. what is this? And and my character cows would have probably yeah. just tried to tackle her and find out what the. What the heck's going on? What are you guys, uh, the, the other players, what do you think? Well, yeah, do you have a grander vision of how she fits into a larger picture? Or Not a ton. I mean, I probably would work it out. Like, if, if I wanted to start it out right from that ending, I would, you know, I'd have the rock elemental come blasting in and you guys would have to fight it. But the girl would ex- escape. I would use her later, you know. She would have, she would take over the coven and that would be a part of the campaign either immediately later or, you know, a lot later. I would mm-hmm. have, you know, depending on what I wanted to do. Mickey, what did you think was coming up next? Uh, say we had continued. What was the next part of the story in your mind? Should have knocked an arrow and shot the bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Period. And, and all that commotion going on outside when we see it's the Earth Elemental. 
there's evil in the room with me and there's an unknown evil outside. I'm going to take care of what's in the room first and uh, then worry about what's outside. Yeah. Cool. Pragmatic. What's fun about that starter set is I, I like I like the idea that we can come back to it. And so we, you know, she could escape, go underground. The coven goes underground. They disappear. Right. Yeah. They're not gone, but we're not going to find them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, we get hired off on another adventure, or we go yeah, do right. something totally Absolutely. different. Yep. Heck, and we then, could go back to Fandelver and well, follow another side. Yeah, or you exactly. go to another town, you eat the same thing. Well, these people are dying. They have dirt in their mouth. Like, oh, the yeah, we've seen this before. And yeah. I can't like, remember. Oh, crap, but let's do something different. Yeah, we're, right. we're still only like <laughs> level <laughs> five yeah. adventures. Yeah. So, I mean, we're still we're not even close to epic adventures. Right. So, we go back to Fandelver, check on our mines, and something yeah. happens down in the mines, and then you've got a whole other adventure. Or yeah. we go to uh, what? It's not Waterdeep that's close. What is a Neverwinter. Neverwinter. Never Go up yeah. to Neverwinter yeah. and, you know, something right. happens there. So I, I, I like that. And I like having that in our back pocket if we need to come up with a day or two of recording. Because the great. characters, even though we didn't create them, I, I find them all amusing enough to definitely play with. Yeah. yeah. So. What did you think was going to happen next? Um, I thought we were going to go back to the town and uh, do more in there. Like, find out more what Willem's all about and... Mm. Yeah, I was actually bummed when he got shanked because I thought <laughs> I, got shanked. I, I could actually see a yeah. whole adventure yeah. or backstory yeah. or him being a big kind of integral part of something. Well, that still, like, that could be an adventure finding out what there, there's, now, there's now a power vacuum in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. And there's Absolutely. the whole thing, like why, why did like why did she kill her father? That's that mystery still hanging out. And my question is, God made dirt, so don't d- dirt don't hurt. So why is <laughs> yeah. the dirt? But if it's in your mouth, the five-second rule's gone, man. Yeah. That's true. It's like, it's yeah. five hour, five <laughs> yeah. year, five lifetime rule. A couple weeks, maybe. A know. couple week rule. And how do you counter it by putting compost in there, or what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think. What, Some water, what would you do? That, that'd and you've be got mud. mud. Yeah. Let them eat yeah. mud. Yeah. It doesn't have it the same a ring. Okay. We'll just get Helga okay. at them. Helga clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about Helga yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's something to look forward to. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Oh, hey, what? Spoilers. Well, that's only if you've got dirt on your boot. <laughs> that's true. Right. So that that would. That would be it. And I think with that, we're, we're going to be wrapping up this sidebar. Hopefully you enjoyed our banter, BS, and backstory. And um, you know, stay tuned. We're going to have the uh, Strahd episodes up for you starting next week. You'll be able to get some video with that. And we um, will attempt to be entertaining once again. Sorry, JJ, I didn't have it running for this. Yeah. You'll have I definitely to want to hear more from the, the fans. Though. We need more fan response yeah, on yeah, definitely. Any medium you're using, yes. whether it's good or bad, like don't be afraid to like crush us if we don't you don't like what's going on. Yeah, Specifically, I Chris. It. I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I would love for my soul yeah. to turn into a diamond. Yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Is it made of coal now? No, but then you'd be like one coal of those soul? Uh, like wussy vampires on the Twilight sparkling, thing. Yeah. You'd be all sparkly, <laughs> and then you'd be all emo, and that's I couldn't hang out with you. I, I, I mean, better than dirt. Burning up and turning into sun, like <laughs> I, I hate that I get sunburned so badly. I know <laughs> he no. can't go out in the daylight anyway. He's exactly. like day glow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no day walker. Uh, all right, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We're glad you're here. Yes. Still here. Well, Kurt, hopefully you look really glad that they're here. <laughs> I am glad. Well, that they can't yeah. really tell right now. Okay, we'll just say bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Hasta luego. Uh, I gotta find the stop button. Let's say bye again. There it is. Goodbye. Pasta mañana. Art noises? Fuck, are we like three? Yes. <laughs> the preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. <laughs>